Two guys either side of 50 with one dream to achieve middle-aged sporting glory. This is the Missing Links Golf Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 10, count them on your fingers, episode 10 of the Missing Links Golf Show. I'm Steve Hinks. I am joined by the emperor of accountability, that is Andy Walker. Uh, Andy Walker, episode 10, welcome back. Good evening, Mr. Hinks. How are you? I am extremely well. Uh, very, very well, feeling like I'm completely shot of that pesky virus that had been mm. hanging around and interrupting our recording plans over the last few weeks. So uh, good to be back, fighting fit and ready for uh, for episode 10. I, I'm, mm. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm amazed. Yeah. It's a big number. No, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Christmas break, uh, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just about <laughs> done for the year. I've, I've said... So I don't know how many of my clients that I think I'm going to fall over the line this year. I, it's been one of those years that, yeah, lots of stuff has happened, all, all good, but, yeah, just uh, need to take some time to reflect, possibly play a little bit more golf. Yeah. I'll work on some of my swing changes that I've been given that I must admit I'm, I'm, I am struggling with a little bit after mm. my master's victory at the end of last month, I, I have now gone down the rabbit hole of, of trying to make some of those swing changes and, oh, yeah, good it's, grief. it's not easy. Good grief. It's but um, interesting to go back a step that you talk about feeling like you're falling over the line. Um, a colleague of mine at work the other day said, uh, I'm not falling over the line. In fact, I fell over weeks ago. I'm now being dragged <laughs> towards the line. <laughs> By somebody else, and I can completely understand that feeling. Well, I, I did message that to to my cousin, and and she came back to me and said, "I think someone's going to have to push me over the line." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not going to make it. Yeah, it feels so, a bit like yeah. that sometimes. Um, it, I think it's a common theme with uh, you know we've we've come out of COVID and the whole you know schmozzle around COVID, and and then we're sort of back to some sort of normality if if there is such a thing and there's not yeah it just hasn't stopped no it hasn't it hasn't and in some ways it you know we always talk about the time speeding up and the years going by faster but i just don't think they're getting any easier <laughs> what does that mean if they go by faster can you fit less in like it feels that uh, way and and are, and are we trying to fit more in it feels that way too for less time like it feels that way yeah um but anyway look um what can we do one day at a time ladies and gentlemen one day at a time it's a little bit like golf you can only hit one, every shot once and you can only hit the correct. shot that's in front of you so uh, a bit like that with life one day at a time um, that's getting deep very early in this episode. It is. Uh, Mr. It Walker, is. I'm not well, sure that that's we, what we, we need to do. We did go down the, the mental aspect last week. I, I didn't. I thought maybe this week might be a little bit lighter. But Look, you know. I, 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 I don't think so. Um, I don't think any of them ever are. They all build on each other. And I did, like one of the things I've got on the list, I, would, I did want to kind of just recap a little bit on the mental episode that we talked about last week because yep. listening back to it, um, there was a point there where I wouldn't say we had a disagreement. I wouldn't use words that was that strong, but I'm not sure that we saw completely eye to eye around some of the discussion about the nature of thought um, and what happens when you're standing over a shot and you get a negative thought creep in and, and how you deal with that. Um, 
So, so, so you don't replace a positive thought. With well, a, well, you kind of do. You kind of do. You kind of do. But you, but you still got to think it. You kind of do. Let it be th- and, and let it be thunk. Yeah, let it be thunk. You kind of do replace it with a positive thought, but I think the the key message is that you don't get upset with yourself for having had the negative thought in the first place, and you don't fixate yeah. on the negative thought. Yeah. You think, as, as my six year old daughter says, you you get what you get, and you don't get upset. It's kind of true. That is, that is actually very true on the golf course. You do, um, although albeit I have seen some people, and I have been that person that gets upset from time to time. Yes, yes, yes. yes. What do you mean? I, I didn't ask for a shank for Christmas. <laughs> No, no, definitely didn't. Yeah. Or a snap hook. No, no, but bookmark both of those terms. They'll come up shortly. Um, yes. So anyway, we, we will talk a bit about that because I did have, as as talked about at the end of the last episode, I did have a competition round on the weekend, which in the not-too-distant future we will go through and all of those topics that we just mentioned very quickly are going to raise their heads during that review. So stay tuned. Um, but Andy Walker, we do like to kick off these episodes with listener feedback. Um, yes, yes, and we do. I don't know if you've received any, but I certainly have. Uh, and I, I wouldn't mind starting there because mm. I'm going to say this. It was flattering. Right. Okay. Mm. Mm. That's nice. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah, so the feedback was this, um, and it was... Wow, you guys have great voices. You should be commentators. At least that's what I heard. It right. m- it, it might have been you have great heads for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we are videoing this. Well, this so is true. We haven't quite got the YouTube channel No, it's coming. Ladies and yet, gentlemen, it's coming. It's, a new, it. it's yeah. a new year project. It's a 2024 project, we promise. Yeah, we, we, did, we did decide pretty pretty early, I think, episode two, that we were going to yep. video it just in case just in we case. decided to go down the, the whole video uh, YouTube channel. And, and, yeah, we haven't quite figured out with our technology how to do that yet, but, hey, we're on a learning. Uh, How hard can it be? A, a learning journey. Yeah. So that that was one piece of feedback. Um, another piece of feedback that I received was, and I'll read it. Um, it was I really it was hey mate, I really enjoyed the mental game episode and learned a lot from that discussion. That's good. 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 Not sure that we did, but no, no, it's good that as, someone did. Uh, as as we. I think we figured out last week. I think there are a lot more questions that we asked rather than well, there's questions. questions. There are questions. There are so many questions, let me tell you. Um, and there was one more piece. Okay, this is not direct feedback, although I would like to to at least choose to believe that it is listener feedback right. um, because it does come from the big easy Ernie Els. Oh, right. Yes, okay. and um, he, he actually – well, I, I assume it comes from him because it was attributed to him on the internet. Um, <laughs> so, of course, it's come from him. Yeah. Pr- and friend of the show. It, 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 it has, I think, come from him. And, and essentially what he said um, was along the line, it was in response to the golf ball rollback controversy because obviously that's raising its head again at the moment. Um, I think yes. moves are being made to get a little bit closer to rolling the ball back. Not a topic for today's today's discussion, but the Big Easy um, did wade into the debate and said, I'm not sure about the golf ball. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not reading it word for word, but he said, I'm not sure about the golf ball. Um, However, long putters should be banned. 
It's not in the spirit of the game. Um, and, and, and if we banned long putters, we would go a long way towards improving the game of golf. Any thoughts, Andy wow. Walker? Well, this is the thing is that how, what length is long? Longer than normal. But, but what, what's that? I mean, you know, this, this is the whole thing. And, and if you, if you then go down the long putters, you've, uh, you've, you've then got to have a look at how people grip the putter as well. You do. So does that mean, so Jordan Spieth cross-handed, do you ban cross-handed? I, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say if you want to putt cross-handed, um, if you want to chip cross-handed a la Matt Fitzpatrick, yeah. yep. um, quite frankly, good luck to you because I just don't mm. see how that gives you an advantage. No, no. What about the claw? So what's, what's Ernie's view on the claw? Um, I feel like I've seen him use it. Mm. So at what, at what point do you go, no, that's that's enough? Because obviously the governing bodies went down that path not that long ago and decided that as long as you didn't pivot, the long putter was fine. They did say that. So, Ernie doesn't agree so- with that, though. Yeah, but I, it, it's interesting because I've I've listened. There's an Australian golf pro, Mark Allen, who has a similar opinion, mm. and he's never he's never clarified at what point do you stop uh, and, and say, okay, well, this is legal. Where, where's that line in the sand? Oh, th- because you're picking the, the, yeah, the, you're picking the long putter, but do you then pick, you know, uh, you know, have the the way people grip. The putter, or you know, well, well, that that has kind of happened because you're not allowed to go between the legs, mm. you know, croquet style. Yep, there's no, you know, sort of mallet style putting allowed. Um, yep. There is a maximum shaft length on driver. Yeah, yeah, and and my putter is shorter than my driver. Right. So then, do you do you then designate a particular length for each club? Do you? What happens if you're particularly tall, Christoph exactly. Albrecht style? The uh, yeah, so might not even be again, his name, but that, that sounded like a good name. Again, at some point you've got to go. You know what? This is where the line is, and the the RNA and the USPGA have have done that. So uh, you're taking the stance of or the USGA, not USPGA, USGA. Yeah, you're taking that. the uh, the stance of it's within the rules, therefore it's fine. Well, it's it's it, it it is within the rules currently. Now, obviously, the rules are there to be reviewed, and if those if those rules are changed, then I'll have to modify my game in order to to do that. But at the moment, I'm I'm playing within the rules, and and anyone who has the opinion of of okay, a long putter should be banned. Well, I'd like to understand where they think that line should be drawn. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I mean, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Andy Walker publicly taking on the big easy Ernie Els and taking him to mm. task for his views that have been, uh, and I'm putting words in Andy Walker's mouth here, ill thought through mm. and not fully formed. Well, well, the, the, the other thing as well is that if, if you've got a standard length putter and you hold it like a broomstick, is that going to be illegal? If you're kneeling down, so- I think it's fine. Well, no. I mean, if 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 you've got your your top hand, 
like a like a a broomstick putter and and your bottom hand in in the same way say adam scott uses his bottom hand is is that illegal at at what point it's it's not necessarily the length of of the putter that's that's the issue it's it's also the grip as Mm. well Mm. big topic um whilst we're on the topic of putters Andy Walker, um, do you have any views on the lab golf putter? Another friend of the show, a uh, long-time listener, has uh, messaged in to say that he's moved on to a lab putter uh, mm. and it is almost impossible to hit a putt offline. Yeah. Yeah, look, and, and I have read a little bit about uh, the, the lab golf putter and it's something that, yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to, to try at some point, but I also believe that they're fairly – Pricey as well. There, they are pricey. And the price of a, a driver. Of a driver, prefer, they are. I'd they prefer are. to to change my driver over first before I started looking at a, another putter. They are interestingly as well. Um, one of the things with those is that it might be very difficult to hit the putt offline, but that's the line that you choose to hit it on at the speed that you choose to hit it on. Uh, and our very good friend of the show, um, I think it's fair to say, um, didn't go that well on the weekend and therefore you could argue that maybe um, maybe it wasn't the putter's fault or maybe it was the putter's fault. Who's to know? Maybe suffering because, um, you know, there has been a school of thought that uh, amateur players shouldn't work too hard on their putting stroke because if they can't pick the line to begin with, then it's no use hitting it on the line. Not See, the, the theory this, that this I subscribe where, to, but... The, this is where Aimpoint comes in to its own because <laughs> Aimpoint gives aim you point, the line, so... Aimpoint with a lab putter... Um, could be exactly what you need. You, you can't miss, apparently. Apparently you can't. Um, we digress. Um, so in tonight's episode, uh, tonight's episode, which is another fantastic 15-minute intro that we've been able to get through there before we actually get to <laughs> the point. In tonight's episode, it is our intention to have a look back, being the 10th, at what we've learned so far, um, what, if any, improvements we've seen in our games um, with the things that we've been working on, um, what are the bits that we think are actually worth continuing with and pursuing, and what's are the what are the bits that we think maybe um, it's time to let them go and move in another direction? But before we do that, um, I wouldn't mind just sharing Andy Walker, if it's okay, the results from Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. So this was um, this was a big day. So just to set the scene, um, Saturday was a club comp. Regular Saturday club comp was a Stableford round. Um, bit of an unusual setup because the course that I play at, we have 27 holes, so there's three nines. Um, and every other week, the third nine gets put into rotation with one of the two um, front nines. So this particular week, we're playing holes one to nine and then 19 to 27. Now, the reason right. that that's important is because when that happens and the third nine gets put in, it messes around with the scratch rating, of course. Ah, right. In in a good way or? Depends how you look not, at it. Yeah. So up up or down, is it is it rated easier or, or more difficult? It's rated easier. So it's past 71, yeah. but when the third nine comes in, it becomes a rating of 69. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so this, two shots. Do, yeah. do you feel as though it's two shots difference no, or do you no. feel as though they haven't quite got it right? I, th- I genuinely think that they have not got it right, and I implore the committee to review this um, because it's a loop around uh, a sort of a housing estate, 
And what that means is there's OB on both sides of mm. holes um, of one, two, three, four, five holes of that nine. You've got OB down both sides. Right. So then, my snap hook's not going to do too well. Th- and this is the problem. They're not the longest holes, and that's why the course rating comes down, but there is water and there is OB. So yeah, if right. you if you are going well off the tee, you will score well, sure. But if you get wayward at all, you're dead. So yeah, you can right. rack up a big number. So anyway, the reason that I mention it is because this particular round, I was losing a 7.1 flag round out of my best eight was going to yep. drop out of the bottom on this round of golf, which meant that I had to post something in that vicinity to not to get into the single digits, but to avoid blowing out beyond 10.0 that I've been at. Um, and when you're already losing two shots against your scratch rating from par. Um, yeah, it's tough. That makes it somewhat difficult. So anyhow, that's the background. That's enough background. So so we turn up. Um, the, oh, the other thing I should mention is that it was 42 degrees on Saturday. Um, and that is for our American yeah, Celsius. Celsius. So that is over the ton. So that's triple figures. It was hot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, teed off at seven thirty in the morning, and I think it was about forty one degrees at seven thirty in the morning. So it was wow. it, it was warm. So uh, anyway, we teed off um, off the first, uh, which nice par five, straight par five, OB up the right, but you know it's not the hardest hole on the horse on the course. Um, hit a good drive, reasonable second. Wedge in for my third, straight over the flag stick um, to about 15 feet, um, hit the putt, and it was downhill, rolled past the hole, um, was quicker than I thought, and went about probably about 10 to 12 feet past the hole. And I went, yep. So I was standing over, and this is the, the, the point that I make here is the thought process, the, the nature of thought Andy Walker. I stood, I stood yep. over that putt, knowing the stats as I do, and I thought to myself, at eight feet, Tour pros are 50-50. I'm at about 12 feet. Is that your best thought process, though? No. No, it isn't. This, this is the point. But this is what wow. the brain does to you, right? It just it sneaks it in when you don't want it to. So ordinarily, I would then go and berate myself for thinking something so stupid mm-hmm. and get all upset and frustrated and tense before I've even hit the putt. Okay? I, yeah. think, we've, I think we all experience that. But I didn't do that because I listened to my advice from the last episode and I went, yeah, that's a thought. Doesn't make it true. Or I could make it. And I relaxed and I hit the part dead centre, par. Thanks for coming. Nice. Nice. So I felt quite good about life. Mm. Walked up to the second tee box, snap hooked one into the trees. Excellent. Um. And I was hard up against the trunk of a very large tree. There was, mm. it, it was in, in jail. I had to come out backwards, pretty much, sort of probably about a little bit backwards, but back towards the fairway. Bunted a little seven iron back towards the fairway. Um, it was, took a couple of bounces in the rough. Hit a stick that I hadn't seen, which stopped it in its tracks. Didn't get back to the fairway. Left me blocked out for my third, so I couldn't get to the green. Cut a long story short, that hole finished in a triple bogey, Andy Walker. Nice. Nice. So, so three over after two. Three over after two. But that's okay. We're mentally strong. We're resilient. We shake it off. 
So we get to the third T. Third T straight acceptance. 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 You have to. Like these, these things happen. You're gonna have a bad hole. You're gonna have a bit of bad yep. luck. It's fine. Long way to go. We can make it up. Get to the third T box, stand on the third T box. And I thought I'll just snap hooked one. I'm gonna, you know, try and swing a little bit more into out. Um and you know, get it up the fairway. I, and I smoked it. It was a good drive. Just as the pros say, overdrew it a touch. Back into the trees on the right hand side. Um so I got down there, not not as far in, and I wasn't dead. I had a little bit of a, you know, a line around a tree in front that I might have, if I could hit a wedge and I could draw a wedge. Now I'm asking a bit here. If I could draw a wedge at about 15 to 20 metres back to the green, or at least a greenside bunker would be a half a chance. So I needed a big kind of a ropey swing. So anyway, I took the club back, gave it a good go, and Andy Walker, I hit what can only be described as a classic Hosel rocket straight across the fairway <laughs> into the trees on the left. Excellent. Excellent. It can happen. It can happen. So anyway. To the got, best of us. Yep. I did get a, a, a friendly bounce off the tree back into the rough. They had a, almost a line at the right edge of the green, um, hit it into the greenside bunker and uh, got out two putted for uh, what unfortunately was a double bogey. Five over. So five, five over after three. Yeah, five over after three, knowing that I needed to shoot somewhere about five or six over par for the 18 um, nice. to not blow out from 10.0. So pressure was on. So let's be honest, at this point, I kind of didn't think there was a lot of chance to uh, to actually achieve this goal. So I reverted in – and, and you could go one of a couple of ways here. You could get down in the dumps, very cranky, um, throw it away, start loose swinging and all those sorts of things. But I thought, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forget about the score completely. I just want to hit some good golf shots. Okay, that's all I want to do. So had that focus. So from there, I reeled off four pars on the trot, which was quite good. So I'm then, what am I? I'm five over after seven. Yep. Par three eighth is around about, um, was flag at the front. Um, it was around about to the flag, about 165 metres. Um, thinking of a centre green kind of a yardage, took the six iron, didn't quite flush it, but hit the front edge of the green. Um, and it was about a 12-footer uphill left to right. Nice nice looking putt for a left-hander. Hit a good putt, rolled up just past the edge of the hole and then died and dropped in the back door for birdie. Nice. So that was good. So we were back to four over. After eight. So that's not too bad. So then we get to the ninth. Uh, the ninth par four dog leg around to the left. Brain to drive up the guts to the corner or past the corner. Nine iron to the front of the green. Again, it was a front pin. And Andy Walker drained another birdie putt, similar putt to the one before, but this time about 15 foot. So I was then three over after nine. Back to back. Game on. We go to the infamous... Second nine, which is the third nine, it's 19 to 27. Um, at which point, five pars on the trot, Andy Walker. So I'm okay. now, what am I, three over par? Three, 14. With four to play. And at this point, thoughts of glory start creeping in. Mm. Um, but to cut a long story short, I went bogey, bogey, bogey which is disappointing. Yep. But to be honest with you, 
all of those bogeys could easily have been pars. They were like burn the edge par putts, um, but they just didn't drop. And um, then parred the the last hole um, to finish six over for the round. Um, nice. Which, which with the stroke rating and all of those sorts of things actually worked out at a differential of 7.2 to replace my 7.1, which meant that the handicap has not moved. Okay. So 77 off the stick? 77 off the stick. Nice. Nice. Which I think, like when I look at that, a 77 off the stick, finishing six over after being Mm. five over on three holes. Yeah. I'm pretty damn happy with that. Yeah, yeah, good finish. Good, yeah, good, good comeback. Stayed resilient. Yeah, and and the thing that I've been thinking about afterwards is, was that just a good round, or have I learned a few things and actually improved over the last ten weeks, or was it both? Hmm. Don't mess with my head. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was a good round because you've learned a couple of things over the last 10 weeks. Well, you'd hope so. Mm. You'd hope so. Um, I I, I do think the things that really assisted was um, my driving was the best I think it's been, um, aside from the two drives on two and three that cost me shots everything else was in the fairway um, and at reasonable distance as well and that's because of something that i was working on we've talked a few times about the front foot move um, really yep. pushing pushing back to get rotation through the hips clearing that front mm. hip with the front foot but yep. but where that goes wrong is and this is something i figured out interested in your thoughts um, to see if i'm right or not but when when you do that if you're swinging down the line, you kind of come over the top because you're pushing your front side so that your back shoulder will come out if you're just trying to swing down the line, and that's what was leading to the snap hooks. But when I was con- like consciously trying to swing out at the ball, so pushing back with the front foot but really trying to swing out at the ball rather than straight up the line, that move actually drops the back shoulder down into – into plane much better than than if you don't do that and you're thinking about swinging up the line because you're actually turning your body a little bit so that move of swinging out is actually swinging straighter if what I'm saying is making sense to you yeah yeah look and, and interestingly because I uh, having had the golf coaching uh, a few weeks back uh, similar similar thing uh, in the one of one of my main issues is that my right shoulder uh, flies at the top of the swing and then coming over the top and my uh, right elbow is still like quite a long way away from my body. But what uh, what my golf coach was trying to get me to do is to bring my right elbow closer to my body, both on the yeah. backswing, yeah. but also on the downswing as well which then brings you back on plane rather than if you've got your right elbow away from your body, as in me being a right-hander, obviously be the opposite for yourself, which then leads to a big over-the-top movement. I think that's pretty much what I'm talking about. And and the funny thing is, like so many things in golf, if you're trying to change one thing, 
then thinking about that thing you're trying to change doesn't always change it, but sometimes thinking about a different feeling and a different move does yeah. change it. Yep. I think we've all experienced those things before, and that was just a bit of a light bulb moment when I was um, – because I'd always, I think, had a battle with two issues in the swing. One was early extension and the other was coming over the top. Not unusual. Um, I think yep. a, lot, a lot of amateur players battle with those two things. I feel like the, the that front foot move of really driving back off the front foot as you start your downswing so that you're rotating the hips, that does tend that seems to help the early extension move. But then that feeling of swinging out at the ball actually drops that elbow back into the rib cage a little bit more rather than coming out and, and swinging around the body. Yeah, but you, you've also got to be careful because you're you you still want to transfer your weight to your or for for you it would be to your uh right foot for for me it'd be to my left foot so you got to do that your, first, your first movement but that's got to happen first forward yeah and then you and rotate then, and then you clear your hips if you're just from the top of your swing if you're just clearing your hips and not making that first move forward that that's gonna end in disaster yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Should have mentioned that. Absolutely. But as you know, I'm already forward anyway because I never get off the front foot. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yep. Yep. So anyway, it's and what I like is so if we went back 10 weeks and tried to have that conversation, I wouldn't have had a clue what you were talking about. Yep. So I, I feel like there's a little bit of knowledge gained there, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was the whole point of what uh, what we're doing with the podcast is yeah. to be able to explore and go down some of these rabbit holes so that we can improve our knowledge across the board and improve our game. Yeah. So, yeah, what are we talking about? You you, you push off, push forward off the back foot, not and, and as in towards the target, not towards the ball. The front foot essentially is the break that stops you going too far but then starts to turn that into a rotational force well it, it, it's as also you're dropping your, into your, the downswing your, your first move forward isn't necessarily about your back foot either because this is where you're using the earth to be able to create that that force and and club head speed so you've got to do that with both feet it, it can't just be off your rear foot. Mm. if that makes sense. You hear some people talk about the squat and drive that some of the pros yeah. use. Is this what yeah. you're talking about? S- similar, similar, yeah, because that's that's where that's where they're using, you know, their their force and and the ground to be able to create momentum in uh, in their swing. So you're uh, you're you're moving first forward and and this is where in that uh, that YouTube uh, video from the Chasing Scratch guys, mm. where they're not, he's not using his back foot to clear his left side. He's using the front foot to clear the left side, and that's then yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing down into the earth, yeah. using the ground to create momentum. Yes, agree. So it's not just using your rear foot; it's using both to be able to create that momentum throughout the swing. Mm. Mm. I think we're saying the same thing. (laughs) In different ways. (laughs) Yeah. Because the funny thing as well, and this is one of the other things that I've learned, is 
the way I explain it versus the way that you explain it versus the way that anyone else or any other coach will explain it makes sense to the to the feels that they've got yes. going that that need to happen to execute the golf swing. Yeah. And if I try and explain the golf swing in terms of my feels, that won't work for you and vice versa. Cuz you and and I think that's the that's the hard part cuz it's not just about copying moves. It's about getting what are the things I need to think about to get the right feel, to get the movements to execute in the right sequence so that I actually create the right movements for a golf swing. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I, I was listening to uh, another golf podcast that this morning and uh, the guy was basically saying exactly that, is that he he's a golf coach and unless someone has absolutely no clue as to as to what they're doing he will work with what the golfer's already got and use their own movements to improve their golf swing so he doesn't have a one size fits all uh uh methodology he he says okay well you've got two different golfers hmm. they've both got different feels They've both got different ways of being able to get to the golf ball. Yeah, there are the fundamentals there, but what works for one person won't necessarily work for the next person. So he tries to work with what the golfer's already got to be able to get the best out of uh, out of their swing. Yeah. And it's also where you get to things like matchups, you know, like you might have a particularly strong grip with a – different type of swing plane that matches up well if you muck around with one of those but not the other you'll create more problems than you'll solve yeah so complicated i I hope that's cleared everything up for everybody listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah again i think asking more questions than answering them but yeah so in the course of two episodes we have established that we are not experts on sports psychology um, I feel we've just established that we're not experts on biomechanics or the ins and outs of the golf swing, um, but um, nice voices. So hey, yeah, apparently we've, take- we've got we've got a good head for a podcast. Good head for a podcast. Uh, yeah, just not necessarily a videoed one on YouTube. So uh, mm. let's keep it audio. Um, anyway, uh, that that was the story of the round. So look, I guess all in all, the point of that little anecdote was that I'm still on ten point zero. Um, however. The difference at this point is that this this recording of being on 10.0 feels like a win um, because this was a round that I was a little bit concerned about in the lead up that if that went wrong and it was not a flag round, then I I actually could have lost more than half a shot because if um, the, that 7.1 dropping out was my next um, unused best round, which was something like a 13 and a half or something like that, then I could have lost about 6.6 or 0.7 of a shot. So yeah, right. to okay. stay where it was... Um, mm. So that that was a flag it, round on Saturday then. Oh god, yeah, 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 yeah. So that yeah, it's a differential of seven point two. So, mm. um, and and what's interesting as well is I, I had a bit of a look at my handicap history, and I've now got which I did beforehand because I've replaced like for like basically, but I've got four of my eight rounds that count in handicapping processes are all single digit rounds. Yeah, right. So and then the others are sort of around about. Um, there's a couple of ten and a halfs and a couple of twelves um, and those yep. sorts of things. So if I can, I don't need to do a lot to. Re- I've just got to replace those couple of twelves with 
you know, a couple of single digits. Yeah, and that could shift things significantly. Mm. So um, that was interesting as well. Okay, bring on twenty twenty four. Yeah, I think so. So I don't, I don't think it's likely that I'm going to get another comp round in in twenty twenty three. So I'm probably going to finish the year at ten point zero. I think I started the year about ten point six. Yeah, I think I'm going to struggle to get another comp round in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we're probably there, um, which I think kind of takes us to the next part of this episode, which is the year in review, Andy Walker. Yep. Mm. How have we gone? What do we think? Um, and what should we work on? So how, how do you want to approach this? I feel like maybe a bit of a strokes gain comparison to what we talked about in episode two versus where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I think that's a probably good place to start, and and then, uh, I mean, I I think looking back, there's a lot of things that have have worked over the last couple of months, but there's also a few things that probably haven't worked that well. So keen to maybe have a conversation about that as well. Mm, yeah, I would concur. So uh, do you want to do you want to kick off since we've heard about my adventures? Uh, throw it yeah, in well, for a bit of a review. Yeah, look, in in regards to strokes gained uh, or negative strokes gained as as it is to uh, to a scratch handicap, and now I've only played two competition rounds since we've right. uh, yeah. been on the podcast. So um, it seems as though my strokes gained has sort of gone, you know, uh, up and down a little bit. Now, currently, my strokes gained against a scratch handicapper is minus six point three. Now, mm. I, if I remember correctly, I was about minus 7.5 a uh, couple of months that, back. before uh, sounds about right. Episode two. Yep. Yeah. And, and if you break that down, uh, it's minus 1.4 driving, minus 1.1 approach, minus 1.9 short game, and minus 1.9 putting. Really? Yeah, so putting seems to be one of those things because I I think I was I think I was only like minus one putting because because that was the area that I wanted to I I, I had the the least improvement and I wanted yeah. to reduce from minus one to minus point five. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was waiting, right. I was waiting. That, for that was I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Minus point zero five. Yeah. Minus zero point five. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that I find a little surprising given the improvements with aim point. Yeah, yeah, but in, and again, interesting. You you look at you you break that down a little bit further in the the distance and zero to three meters is minus one point three. Three to eight meters is minus 0.8. Eight to 15 meters is plus 0.1. That was your magenta shores round. Yeah. And 15 plus meters is plus 0.4. So the longer the putts that I have, yeah. the better I am in regards to strokes gained against a scratch handicapper. Well, yeah, which I, f- I find quite interesting because, again, with with my own view of how I putt, I don't think I'm a good long putter, but that strokes gained and the stats say something different. 
I think part of it is looking at how strokes gain works and it's about um, proximity to the hole. Yeah. Yes, that's applying um, – it's describing proximity to the hole in shots instead of metres or feet. Yeah. So, you know, say you're 50 foot from the hole and you get a putt and we know that eight foot's 50-50, right? If you sink an eight footer, you gain a half a shot. If you miss an eight footer, you lose a half shot. But say you're 50 feet from the hole, if you get that inside five feet, you're probably gaining a quarter of a shot yep. or more. Yeah. If yeah. you leave so, it outside so 10 feet, you're probably losing. What, so 15 metres, what's that, about 40, 45 feet? 45 feet, 45 feet roughly, there, yeah. Thereabouts? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a reasonable length part. Yeah, where where I I think that's that's a weak part of my my putting now, you know, I, I've never thought that I I was a great putter inside three meters, but I I didn't think that was the weakest part of my putting, which is quite interesting. Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a comparative assessment against the database, I guess is the point. It's mm. not necessarily um, a statistic saying how many of them you sink and how many of them you don't, and yep. I think that that's. I also would argue, um, I don't know exactly how well the Arcos tracks your putting distances and some of those sorts of things, but I know ShotScope's not great on putting. Like I, I don't put much um, in the putting, on, putting yeah. on the putting stats. The overall putting stat, fine. I think that tells a story, but I wouldn't bother trying to break it down to specific distances. It, it will attempt yeah. to give you the data, but I just don't. I do, I've yeah. never felt that confident on it. So uh. yeah, and, and look, I, I have to say uh, that I do have to go into Arcos after my round and adjust where the pin placements are, adjust yeah. where abouts on the green I was. Of course, yeah, it's it's not it's not as good as what I'd expected it to be. Yeah, uh, still, I, I, think I, I think overall it gives reasonable data. And yeah. I, I think that there's a fair degree of accuracy there, but. It's not. I've got to go in and manipulate it a little bit. I think it's the same. The I think it's the same as shot scope, to be honest. And I think um, they it tells a bit of a story. Like the overall stat is one thing. It de- I guess it depends how diligent you are with the editing of exactly where you hit your putts from and where the flags were and those sorts of things. But um, I, I just I don't know that you can. I don't know that unless you're really marking them out on little documents and um, you know a sheet after every hole, which some people do. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty hard to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. The So the breakdown there of minus 1.4 driving, minus 1.1 approach, minus 1.9 short game and minus 1.9 putting, that's about where I thought my game was Yeah. Uh, before Arcos. And, and that's probably, yeah, where, where, where you know, a, a pretty good sort of cross-section of, of where it is and that I always thought that my iron play was, was pretty good. My driving has been somewhat inconsistent uh, in recent times, but still not bad. And yeah, I've, I've always thought that short game and putting is my is my weakness. Mm. So it's starting to play out where as we as add expected. more rounds into the equation, that distribution, I guess, of of strokes gained is is playing out pretty close to what I'd expected. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So am I. So that 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 gives me a little bit of 
a little bit of data to work with to to start adjusting what I what I want to do next year. And yeah, after we go through your strokes gained, um, yeah, we might sort of yeah. Then we'll talk about that, plans for the future. Yeah, Absolutely, the, the, the adjustments to to the plan. Absolutely. So, what I've done um, to have a look at this and see where it's moved. Um, when we went through this back in episode two in quite some detail. I had a look at my strokes gain both against a 10, a 5, and a scratch handicapper. I've chosen yep. for the purpose of consistency so that we're talking the same language. We'll just compare against scratch handicappers um, because I think then we're talking the same numbers between the two of us, yeah. which makes and, and sense. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's our goal. That's where we want to be. You know, that's right. It? Yeah. Yeah. So so let's, yep. let's sort of draw that baseline and go, okay, well, yeah, scratch yeah, handicapper, that's what, that, that, that's, that's that's what, we're, what we're comparing against. The only difference, of course, as we have mentioned numerous occasions, you're using the Arcos system. I'm using the ShotScope system. It shouldn't really make much difference from, you know, the, the methodology of, of stroke scan is, is the same, but I don't know. Um, just put that out there as a caveat in case there are any differences that anyone knows about. Um, so anyhow, um, to get into the data – in episode two, so when we first looked at this uh, for starting lines, um, my stats were tee shots were minus 2.04, approaches were minus 4.61, short game was minus 2, putting was minus 2.5, sorry, minus 0.25. I nearly did an Andy Walker then. Um, so of that, it was saying that actually my putting was my strength, which I really found to be confusing, but you know yep. the data doesn't lie. So overall, I was losing 8.9 shots on average to a scratch handicapper. And that was based on the five most recent rounds that I'd played at that point in time. And I did have a couple yes. of good ones. I had in that I'd had a round, which was a different well, of, yeah, of 4.4. So yeah, there yeah. was some good stuff in that. And I do remember like that round, I drained everything I looked at. You know, like yeah. it, it just was one of those days that the putting was good. So I feel like maybe that's. That's made Speed that the data a bit. look a little bit better than it was. Um, so for the purpose of exercise, what I've done this time around is, again, I've looked at the last five rounds, um, and that does include uh, the two rounds in Mudgee, which weren't awesome. Um, and all, like basically it's got all my three free swing rounds in there that, as we know, yep. um, weren't my best. But it's also got Saturday's round, which is probably one of my best. So, yeah. you know, uh, overall probably tells the story. And it does. So looking at tee shots, um, I've gone from minus 2.04 to minus 2.23. So I've actually lost almost 0.2 of a shot. It's yep. pretty line ball, to be honest. 0.2 yep. of a shot is not much of a difference. Um, approach shots, this is an interesting one. Approach shots went from minus 4.61 to minus 2.64. So I've gained okay. the best part of two shots on approach yeah. shots. I think that's legit. I know my iron striking now is so much better than it was, um, yeah. you know, when we started this podcast. You're, um, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think, there's, I, I, I think there's a couple of things, more than a couple of things. Firstly... Um, yeah, good tip. Fair enough. Thanks for the swing, <laughs> swing analysis and comparisons to Adam Scott. If you're going to compare your swing to anyone, that's probably not a bad Absolutely. place to start. Um, well, well, Louis Oosthuizen does pretty well as well. He's, he's yeah. my other one that I think yeah. uh, when I'm thinking tempo, I'm, I'm thinking Louis oh, tempo. He's a Louis, he's phenomenal. silky smooth. 
I don't know about his pre-shot routine when it comes to putting, though. That concerns me a little, but um, that, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, short game. Short. Oh, sorry, before I go on, the other things that have really helped with iron play um, has been investing in the net for the garage uh, and yep. hitting balls, like just hitting balls, playing around with... It'd be surprising that, like, it's practicing amazing. more, yeah... I, I'm going to take. I'm going to take something from that <laughs> lesson <laughs> and apply it uh, in a variety of ways. We'll talk about that later, um, but that has made a big difference, and that's enabled me in a controlled environment to actually try some different things and work on some swing changes. Because before having that, realistically, I would work on swing changes in rounds. Yeah, that's not good. It's been ama- it's been amazing how it hasn't <laughs> fallen completely apart though, but um, but that was really the only opportunity to do it. Now, now they weren't all comp rounds; like sometimes there'd be nine hole practice rounds after work and things like that. But but you can't consistently groove something in because you're hitting one ball and you know walking and yeah. hitting another one and generally having a chat with your mates and then getting a bit competitive and stop thinking about what you want to do because you want to actually win the hole and some of those sorts of things. So anyway, um, having an ability to hit practice balls is very important. I think that's a lesson I've taken. Yeah, yeah. Out of and, that and look, the, the 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 whole concept of practicing while you're either in the garage on uh, in your practice net or on the practice driving range, and then going out into the golf course and just trusting, yeah, what you have on that day, yeah, rather than trying to continue yeah. to make yeah. changes in in your golf swing, yeah. Uh, that that's one thing over. Well, it's not just the last couple of months, but probably over the last probably twelve months that I've really learnt in that I'm not trying to make any changes while I'm on the golf course. It's when I'm uh, having a practice swing, it is just feel. It is pure feel. Trying to feel the club face and my swing and, and where I want it to be. I, I think that's so important when you get out on the golf course. It, it, it is. It is if you can do it. I've got to be honest. Like once I try and put a change in play, um, I do feel like it – I don't know if it sticks quickly, but I feel like it – I find it difficult to not think about it and not try and do it when, you know, even though it's in a round. That was a bit of a ramble. I don't think I articulated it very well, but I, I just feel like once I start to focus on something, it starts to almost gather momentum on its own. Um, yep, yep. It's probably the way it's meant to happen. Um, another thing that's been really useful now, I would thoroughly recommend everybody giving this a go, and that is doing the um, the foot powder spray on your club face to check where, oh, yeah. where you're striking the ball on the club face. Um, that is just such good feedback. You, you obviously, you think you know where you're hitting the ball on the club face, and you're generally pretty right. Like, you, you know, you, you know when you shank it, that's a fact. Um, but... <laughs> But it's it's really interesting to to see where the bias is, if it's slightly heel bias, slightly toe bias. And and then the other thing, which I know Adam Young in in his work and his podcast in the Sweet Spot podcast, he talks about a lot, is deliberately trying to manipulate where you're striking the ball on the face um, and moving yeah. it slightly towards the toe or moving it slightly mm. towards the heel and some of those sorts of things just in little increments to get better feel for, for where the, um, the club face is. I think I've got a long, long, long way to go on that front, but yeah, I, I struggle with that concept. It's it, that's very foreign to it, it, in any of the practice that, that I've done and, and been taught to do. To he 
to he, try and he believes he has the data. Case. Well, what he's saying is you will learn how to apply the centre of the club face to the ball more quickly by using differential practice, deliberately hitting different parts of the club face rather than just trying to learn how to hit the middle of the club face. I don't know. I genuinely don't know, but um, I'm also really scared of doing that in the garage because if I start deliberately yeah. shaking them, like we've got gyp rock walls, okay, it's not going to end well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So that's probably need a big cage. Yeah, one day, one day. They're not cheap. Um, so, but it's that that's been a really useful process, and I think I've learned a lot. So I would I would absolutely um, recommend it. I think if you're looking for something to do, if you're sitting there listening, saying I'd like to work on improving my ball striking with my irons, I think get a net, use it in the backyard, use it in the garage, wherever it suits, and yep. do the foot spray on your club. You actually learn a lot. It's a really really interesting process. Um, so there's that. So anyway. Moving on to short game, um, my short game in episode two was at minus 2.0. It now is registering at minus 3.11. So that is a negative shift of 1.11, Nelson. Um, That's not ideal. um, No. But caveats to that, I would say that it includes around um, at Bathurst, which I talked about on the show where I got stuck in a couple of bunkers and – played some particularly poor shots and and that's going to pull out the data set. Um, also, in fairness, I have been tinkering around with short game technique. Um, not all of those tinkers have been successful. Um, and once again, I am haunted, haunted by the words of Dave McClelland. Yeah. Um, I can hear it resonating in my headphones of short game, short game, short game. Yeah. Um, I yeah. concede you may have a point. And yep. um, that will be, as we talk about focuses for 2024, definitely on the list. Interestingly, though, a, a point that uh, that I was going to bring up a little bit later in in the show in regards to short game, uh, been been reading a lot more of of Dr. Bob Rotella's books. Yes, and what he talks about, and because I've I've had a few issues reconciling some of the approaches that we've talked about in regards to uh, strokes gained and and focusing on, uh, you know. Your your swing and uh, getting off the tee and and getting onto getting onto the green and less importance on on short game so more focus on uh, on, on your the ball, ball striking, striking. yeah um, and then obviously reconciling them that with what David McCollum talks about in in regards to short game short game short game and the way that that Dr Bob Rotella talks about it is is he says that when you're first learning the game. And when you're on a high handicap, your focus should be more on getting your swing right and being able to hit the ball, mm. right? So mm. ball striking should mm. be your your main goal, which I, I think is sort of what what you know the point that we were making in. Oh, in I think it's exactly the ball point. striking yeah. to a point where it's you know we're hitting maybe ten, eleven greens in regulation, yeah. right? Yeah. He said once you achieve that then it's short game and, and putting, and that's then going to take your game to the next level to become a, a scratch or, or better golfer. And and what he talks about is that even the best ball strikers of all time only average 12 and a half to 13 greens in regulation. He talks about Ben Hogan. And yeah. Ben Hogan, at his best, still only averaged 12 to 13 greens in regulation uh, Crazy. per round. Crazy. So- 
if that's as good as you're going to get, his point is, is you you need to get your ball striking to a point where you can, well, majority of the time, keep it out of trouble and, and get it onto the green or, or around the green. But there's only a certain limit to, to how good you can get with your ball striking and, and no one has been able to surpass that limit. So yeah, then the yeah. difference you need to yeah. work on from there as you get to be a better golfer is your short game and yeah. putting. Yeah. And well, that, that to me just put it in perspective yeah, and help yeah, me yeah, reconcile yeah. W- what it is that I should be uh, looking at over the next 12 months to, to two years. I think that's absolutely right. Um and I was kind of, I've been mulling it over in my own way, and I'm I'm happy to say, um, without putting too many tickets on myself, that I've actually come to a similar place to Dr. Bob Rotella um, with explaining this. So you know, great minds, as they say, think alike. Um, <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah, I, I mean, I and I agree with everything that you just said because my kind of reconciliation that I was going to offer on that front was that the better you get, the more important your short game becomes. Correct. It, it yes. is another way of saying the same thing, right? And mm. and I think, like I was talking to my dad about this, about his game, um, and remember, you know, our dad's similar age. Um, yeah. And, you know, Donnie's struggling to break 100 these days, um, still loves the game, gets out, which is fantastic. Yep. Yep. Um, but at that point where it's, you know, breaking for 100 for him is a good day. Yep. And we were having a chat about it and I said, look, and we talked about this before, that golf courses at par 72 are set up for 36 shots in general play, 36 putts. Like that, that's regulation. Yep. If you're shooting 100 because you're shooting 36 general play shots and making 64 putts in a round, <laughs> I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's ever done it, right? Like, Because even if you three putt, Every single hole, um, you know, what are you, 54 putts? So no one's ever done that. Uh, or maybe they have. I don't know. But I reckon someone has. At some I, point no, I don't. Has. I genuinely don't. I don't think I, anyone I, has I don't, ever I don't done know that. if they've had, I don't know if they've had uh, like 50 shots and 54 putts for 104, but I reckon someone has had more than 54 putts at some point. Yeah, but no one that has had only 36 shots in general play has <laughs> had true. that many that putts. I promise you of that. Um, so anyway, we talked about that as the extreme. And then looking at, you know, say a player who is trying to break 80, um, you know, is probably going to be averaging somewhere around the 30 to 32-ish putts for a round. Um, and part of that is because they're missing greens and chipping and putting to get up and down rather than mm. hitting two putts in regulation. Yeah. Um, and so their their general play shots are going to be, you know, sort of hovering somewhere around the mid forties. Um, and and that there's a bit of leeway there to bring that down close to thirty six. Yeah, for sure. There's probably not a huge amount of leeway at that point to bring those number of putts down. And in fact, as that ball striking improves you might actually see that putting number go up because you're putting yeah. more. I think when I look at my stats that my approach shot gains in strokes gains of about two shots on approaches, I think I'm, being, I'm forcing myself to putt more from further away now than what I was before, yeah. and I think yeah. that's actually and- what's driving that putting number in the direction that it's going. Yeah, and and, and that's a great point in, in that 
if your approach play, if you if you improve your approach play, and you're hitting more greens in regulation, rather than having a chip and putt and, and maybe putting from inside ten feet, if you've got more thirty to forty footers, you're going to have more putts, and yeah. therefore your strokes gained or or negative strokes strokes gained is uh, is going to be a lot higher. Yeah, and that's what's happening because on Saturday. For example, I hit 12 greens. Yep. I don't think I've ever done that before. Yeah. Um, and I think I had something like 33 putts or 32 putts yep. or something in, in the vicinity of about that. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah. Yep. Long way around, but we got there in the mm. end. We agree with Dr. Yeah. Bob. Congratulations, Dr. <laughs> Bob. You get the Missing Links Golf Show seal of approval for your <laughs> theories on the better you get, the more important short game is. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so uh, putting, we didn't uh, – I, I cut you off before uh, you got to strokes. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, so putting hasn't shifted a lot. It was in episode two, it was minus two – sorry, minus 0.25. Um, it is now minus 0.54. So it's gone up by 0.3 of a shot, but I think we just covered that. Like I've, I genuinely feel yeah. like I'm asking more of my putter now Yeah. Um, more often than than using a wedge onto the green and, and putting from closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how uh, over the next, say, 12 months, uh, if you continue and improve, how that impacts your your putting and and where that ends up, whether that blows out a little bit because you're having more Which it could, putts it or, could, it could, yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting one. So it's not just so black and white. And I think that what we've, what we've figured out out of that is that you can't look at the different parts of your game necessarily just in isolation. Yeah, they, correct. They link together. Definitely, definitely. Except tee shots. You could probably look at tee shots in isolation. It's a bit like the first swimmer in a relay. <laughs> correct, correct. Anyway. So then, but based on that, what, what's your what's your view on, on what's worked over the last 10 weeks? Yep. And, and, you know, your, your plan... We've yep. got a Google Calendar here where where we've got a, a bit of a bit of a plan as to how we were going to go about improving. Yeah, uh, you still haven't engaged a golf coach yet. That's that's a big one, and I think twenty twenty four could uh, could could be a big opportunity there. So so take us through a what you think you've done well over the last ten weeks, what you can improve, and how you're going to adjust in twenty twenty four. Yeah, so. Um- Good questions, Andy Walker. You should be in interviewing or something like that, uh, maybe in commentary um, on the Golf maybe. Channel. I've um, got a good head for that for commentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe keep it to radio. Um, anyway, the 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 things that look the things I think that have worked. I talked about it before. It's um, it's getting some practice facilities happening. That yeah, you know, is is here at home. I live on a golf course, but it's not as easy as you would think actually to get out yeah. there and, and spend time yeah. on it for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I, I, I live three minutes from uh, from my golf club and again, try, yeah. still trying to get there around work is, is it, tough. It's a challenge. So, yeah, I, a I challenge. have been thinking about the, uh, the, the golf net. Uh, in fact, I've, uh, I had been thinking about maybe buying my son a, a cricket net Christmas. That just so I- happens to be able to be used for <laughs> golf as well. I mean, I think that's a fantastic <laughs> idea. There, there's no there's no hidden agenda there. Oh, I might do the same. I, I love that idea. Um, anyhow, the uh, uh, interestingly, that when I was learning 
um, to play guitar. This is a bit of a random anecdote, but there was a thing called the eight second rule. If you had to, yeah. if you had to move to get your instrument and it took you more than eight seconds to pick it up, your chances of practicing would significantly diminish. Yeah, right. um, so there's something in that in terms of golf yeah. practice, it might not necessarily sure. be eight seconds, but having the ability to just, you know, kind of walk through a door and there's your setup versus having to yeah. get in the car and, and load your clubs, unload your clubs and all the things that See, go I, with I, it. I think the same thing decrease. as well in, in regards to fit gym and fitness work because totally. I've got dumbbells and a cross trainer in, in my garage. Yeah. And I've been pretty pretty good with my uh, resistance and, and cross training, same as the stack. I've uh, been doing well since the incident uh, and I've got my stack set up back. Yeah. I've been yeah. pretty diligent with making yeah. sure that I do a stack session every uh, couple of times a week. Yeah. So it's there. It's, you know, I, I walk out one door into the garage and, and it's all there. So it makes it so much easier yeah. Yeah. to be able to commit to action if it's within – arm's reach so to speak yeah yeah makes all the difference so that's worked well um i'll continue with that i have put in my request to santa claus um for a piece of kit that will make the practice sessions a lot more fun uh and a a lot more meaningful um i don't want to say the words launch monitor or simulator out loud um but santa if you're listening yeah there's a couple of little tips that get, you might get, want to look get at. Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Got a couple of brands I can send you as well. So mm-hmm. um, so we'll see how that plays out because I think that could make a huge difference uh, into 2024 and the more that I get to understand my, um, particularly my iron swing, it's going to make a very big difference. Um, the other thing is working on short game and putting. I've done a bit but not nearly enough um, and I yep. think I'm only at the point at the moment where I'm causing myself more problems than what I'm solving, um, yep. which I feel is actually part of the process because I'm, I'm trying to work on a couple of specific things um, with wedge play uh, around the greens. Um, and, and, do, do you think maybe getting a golf coach may help? In that I'm respect. coming to that, Andy Walker. I'm coming to that. Um, I'm talking about at the moment answering the first part of your question about what's worked well and what I'm going to continue, not what, oh, okay. I'm, not right. what I'm changing. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the, Didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's, that's feel free. That's actually the nature of this show. Um, you know, keep each other accountable. That's that's how we roll. Um, the, the next one is um, continuing to focus on mental resilience on the golf course. I feel, I genuinely feel like. I have made some really good strides in this space. Right. Um, How's the meditation going? Is it? Do you feel as though that's that that falls got, got in you over the line a bit? That falls into the next bracket of things that really haven't worked. <laughs> things that. Are, <laughs> what, what, what about journaling? How, how's that going? That also <laughs> falls into the bracket of things that haven't worked because um, I just I don't like that stuff. Why am I not surprised? I can't be any more honest about it. Um, I find, and I, I wholeheartedly apologise, unreservedly apologise to anybody out there who is big on meditation and journaling. If that's your thing, go for it. Um, you know, knock yourself out. I'm sure it's so therapeutic and so much fun. It bores me to tears. So. Um, I can't do it, Andy Walker. I'm I'm out. I am yeah. hanging up Done. the meditation boots, um, and I'm going to move on with my life. And I'm going to apply that ten to fifteen minute period 
to something, shall we say, more productive. (laughs) 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 He's gone, ladies and gentlemen. He's gone. Wow. He's absolutely not surprised. I think he's been waiting for this message to come for quite a while, but I've given it a go. Um, You know, how many times have I actually meditated over the last 10 weeks? I don't know. So you, you know, you know, Twice. our conversation around uh, that you wanted to know the outcome of whether my driver and the shafts of, of my driver <laughs> yeah. and, and fairway would yeah. suited yeah. my swing. Yeah, yeah. So, sort of yeah. the same thing. Yeah, no, it is. But you know, the Missing Links Golf Show is nothing if not curious, and <laughs> we <laughs> we have always um, we've we've never frowned upon uh, suggested method for self-improvement in fact we embrace Mm. all methods and and i think it is it's our duty uh, on behalf of golfers all around the world um, particularly in australia the united states japan and mexico um, to actually attempt these improvement methods and and to report back as to whether they work or they don't work what i can categorically say is meditation does not work don't waste your time. There's better things that you could be doing. You could be working on technique, skills, strength, fitness, you name it, nutrition even. I don't know. You could be having good relationships with other people. You could be doing more than sitting still on the floor staring at a golf ball trying to clear your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here in the lesson. I, I'm not going to disagree with any of that. Um, I, do, I do think that there's value – so, for instance, when I'm out walking my dogs, which I, I try and do most mornings, to quieten my mind and to try and just be present and be focused on what I'm doing, Absolutely. massive value in that. Absolutely. Massive value in that. Uh, same as when I'm on the practice fairway. To quieten my mind just to be present and focus on what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve, which, you know, uh, in, in a lot of ways – that that is meditation, um, but it's active meditation rather than passive meditation. And I think that's the thing. I honestly think that's the thing. Like for me, um, that's the role sports always played in my life. Um, yeah, you know, in in cricket playing days, when you went to training and you were facing a bowler in the nets that was that was rapid, you couldn't be thinking about what happened at work you had to be thinking about what you were doing at that very moment and 100 absorbed in what you do Mm. i I think sport plays that role um music plays that role if you learn an instrument and you're attempting to play the instrument read music or not um you have to be focused on what you're doing for rhythm tempo all those sorts of things the difference in golf is that there's so much time to allow other things to come into your mind because it's not reactive it's it's a different style of sport, and I think that's why people struggle with this. But I fundamentally, for me, don't think that meditation is the go. I also – Well, it's pa- passive I, meditation. Yeah, and yeah, I think passive, we've, yeah. We've got to, yeah. You know, you, yeah. You've got to you know, yep. – there's yep. a difference there between active meditation and passive meditation. Yep. And I'm the same. I, I don't I, – I, I can't do passive meditation. I have tried it previously. It's not something that I'm – I, I particularly enjoy or want to engage in, but the active meditation, different story. You know, going out and and 
you know, walk, being present while I'm walking the dogs, while I'm on the practice range, even going for a walk. You know, there's been times where I've totally. gone, totally. gone out, gone for a walk. I've put on a podcast or put on an audio book, put the headphones in and gone out for a walk and just tried to be in that moment. Yeah. Love doing that. That's, 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 that's got a that's lot, fine. massive benefit. That's fine. But, but not, not sitting, sitting still there, on the floor. It's not, no, it do, doesn't do it for um, me. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No. So, but uh, hey. We gave it a go. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've got to you've got to, you've got to give all techniques a crack. Yeah. And uh, as the great man once said, you've got to know when to hold them, you've got to know when to fold them. Correct. Know when to walk Correct. away. Know when to run. Know when to run. Mm. Mm. Anyway, that's where we're at. Um yep. so one last just one last point. You raised the question about a golf coach. Um, yes. Yes. So yes. I am in the market for a golf coach. And I what here's my strategy. I live in a regional setting where yep. uh, I, I do have a local pro who I think probably has a lot to offer. Um, good guy, respect his game, respect his opinion. Um, however, I'm not going to go down that path. The reason I'm not going to go down that path is because what I would like to do is to try and address the issues that a lot of people that live in regional centres are faced with, and that's a lack of access um, to expertise and to coaching. So what yep. I what I want to try and do is to find a virtual coach online um, right. and to engage through through that stuff to see if that works. Because I yeah, think yeah. as a service to listeners, that's something that actually might be worthwhile to go, this either works or doesn't work. And um, yeah. so Look, that, that's, and there's that, a lot of that's what I want there's to do. a lot of golf coaches out there that are uh, that are engaging online now and and you take a video of your swing, you upload your your swing and they will give you feedback based on uh, based on the video that uh, that that you give. I've I actually have had a look at a, a couple of golf coaches that purely operate online and yeah I, I can see the value in it yep so we want to give that a go uh, and I think from my point of view like I have quite a lot of data now in terms of all the shot scope data which can be shared with the coach yep um, if Santa does come through with the goods then there might be a bit of launch monitor data that can be shared as well so I feel yep. like there's 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 a lot more as well than just video content that they could work with so I think mm-hmm. that could work and if it does, then that's great because then we can tick something off that other people that might not have easy access to the coach that they want, um, you know, we can show that it works or it doesn't work. Yep. So that's me. What's your plan? Um, look, I, there's something that, that I think I I really need to keep focused on and it's something that I, I made a bit of a change uh, out at Mudgee and that is – on ex- expectations, mindset, and acceptance. Mm. Uh, that's one thing that I've really struggled with in the past and, mm. you know, go back to sort of August, September, sort of pre-podcast, I was starting to have probably too many expectations of, of my golf game and I started to get quite disappointed when I wasn't performing at my expectation, which was quite often. Mm. And that would, my mindset would just go downhill and I would start not actually enjoying the game. Mm. And that is yeah, such a common story, though. You yeah. Know? I don't yeah, think there's and, anyone and, listening that wouldn't go, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, so one of the things that 
I've been, I've tried doing certainly out at Mudgy was uh, was was you know front and center of of my mindset was accept whatever happens and don't get upset about it. Uh, you're gonna have some good shots. You're gonna have some bad shots. You might have mm. a good round. You might not, but just accept whatever comes. Mm. And that that's for thirty six holes. That that's what I did. And I mean, we we played both rounds together. And mm. I don't know if you noticed the difference between say where I was at Mudgy in comparison to say where I was when we went up to Nelson Bay. Um, and certainly, Pacific Dunes was was one that is the the probably the round that I've thought about quite a lot. That first six holes where I was seven over after six. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. ended up seven over after eighteen. Now yeah. we had a conversation on the yeah. on the seventh, and and I was not in a good place mentally. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny that you pointed out I hadn't specifically noticed, but in part it's because you played well at Mudgy as well. So I don't think that you were in that place of psychological adversity to see whether or not the resilience needed to kick in, if that makes sense. Um, yep. With the exception, looking back on it through this lens, of probably getting to the 18th tee on day two after having wiped 16 and 17. Um, yep. Now, would have been interesting. I had to work very hard on my I can, I, I, can, I, I can imagine. Over because, those two holes. Because... Um, it also was one of those things which we talked about that you know you, you face adversity sometimes in in golf because you deserve it and you face it sometimes when you don't and yeah. I and think there I was, don't felt kind yeah, of really deserved yeah, to be where yeah. I was in yeah. sixteen and seventeen yeah. at, at Mudgy on that second day you like, had some I bad don't luck feel as yeah, though you had I some did bad luck wrong you hit you hit pretty good shots I mean the issue on sixteen is that you didn't know the course and you didn't really understand how much that hazard cut in on the corner um, yeah. 17 was just one of those things. There's a tree, a very big tree, right next to a narrow green that was a catcher's mitt that threw the ball into the into the and bush. That, that had to have been, if it wasn't the the worst kick I've ever got off a tree, it was it bad in the finals. It was bad. Like, it was very it bad. Was bad. Yeah, it was bad. So, um, yeah, I think you in years gone by could have stood on the 18th tee and really thrown thrown your toys out of the pram. Um, yeah, which didn't happen, and as a result, you played a pretty good hole. And you won the jacket um, rather than capitulating and allow someone else to come over the top. What probably helped though was Hef also wiped those two holes. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, didn't put a lot of pressure on you, but uh, no, never, no, nevertheless, nevertheless, you didn't, you didn't, um, you didn't drop your bundle, which is good. So yeah, no, that's it's an important one, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's probably that. That's that's a, a really important. I guess baseline of of how I want to approach golf over over the next twelve months, or, yeah. or not just twelve months, but mo- moving forward. Um, I found that playing in the comp, actually playing golf, uh, I I've struggled with being able to allocate enough time to be able to play golf. Mm. So, w- whereas actually going to the driving range. Or just going and doing some some short game work, shipping and putting. I found that to be a lot easier to allocate time to be able to do that. So what I'm it's less time. My, my, yeah, my 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 goal was to play in the comp every second week. So practice one week, play in the comp every every second week. Whereas I might drop that comp round to once a month because I still want to be able to get the strokes gain data. So I still want to be able to to play, but given the swing changes that I need to make, 
and you know to get rid of this snap hook and and to to get my uh, a bigger shoulder turn and to get back on plane through the downswing i do think i need to prioritize practice over play f- at least f- you know for the you know short to medium term i am going to fundamentally disagree with you on this point mm. um Mm. What, what re- reasoning? So, give me, give me a reasoning. Let me think this through. I I don't disagree with a specific short term strategy that says there's a couple of things that I really want to work on, um, technique wise, swing wise, whatever the case may be, and but give it a time limit. And I don't reckon that time limit should be much more than about four weeks, personally. I don't think there is any substitute for um, competitive golf when it comes to improvement and development. Um, And I think particularly when you are working on, um, as we just talked about, the mental side um, and improving the resilience piece and and all those sorts of things, you can't do it without competitive play. Yep. Yep. Um, I... Could be wrong, but I feel like this is retreating into the comfort zone space. Um, what what I what I really want to do is is maintain maintain consistency with with the game, mm-hmm. uh, and given where I'm at with business and with family and the time I've got available, I've really struggled to to dedicate half a day. I, I mean, get I, that. I can't. I get that. I, I can't really on on Saturday because Saturday, uh, I you know kids sport in the morning and then yeah. I do my own admin for for my business in in the afternoon. Sunday's just family day and it's it's always been family day. So the weekends are a write off. I can't play golf on on the weekend in in a comp. I can do you know a couple of hours short game, which is what I've uh, allocated on a Saturday afternoon. Then it comes down to to during the week and being able to allocate enough time during the week to be able to play golf. Now, again, running a business, I'm a solo operator. Being able to dedicate enough time to competition has has been challenging. So how how do I get around that? I, I understand your point, and and I well, I, un- I agree I, I with get you it. to a certain extent, but but I'm trying to be realistic in what I can what I can allocate and, and be meaningful around what I the time that I allocate. I get it. I totally get it. I, of all people, understand the time pressures that you're talking about. I mean, um, the battle that I face, I can't play a midweek comp because the nature of my work Monday to Friday would prevent that. Um, without talking too much about what that is, um, it would prevent that. And also, as a result of that, I'm, for, you know, during the school term, not with the rest of the family until weekends yeah. because of where mm. school is and where work is. Yeah. Um, for anyone listening, it's fine. We're a very happy family. We're all together. There's no separation issues or anything like that. Um, that's just where the school is and where yeah. and where my work yeah. is. So that means I then, generally speaking, I'll, you know, head off and, you know, potentially work from home on a Friday and then have the weekend with the kids, which feels extremely self-indulgent to then go and squeeze in a four or five hour round of golf mm. on the Saturday when that's my only, you know, kind of 48 hours as a family unit. But it's important 
for me, from a as ridiculous as it sounds, but like just from a, a mental health perspective of having an outlet yeah. and something that's for me. For sure. So I know that having that in there helps me be better present in the rest of the time that I'm there. So I actually mm. do try to prioritise it. Um, I do try to take the young bloke with me as caddy as well, so at least there is some father-son time involved in that also. But um, I, I, I think I think there are other ways. I think it just it comes down to the prioritisation of what you think that you want to do and how much you want to push it. We're not going to answer it in this episode, and I'm mindful of mm. the clock's ticking as well. But um, yeah, I, I want to push you on this one because I'm, I'm not sure it's the best strategy for your improvement. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, I'm just looking at my Golf Australia uh, handicap index rounds, and I, I played 11 comp rounds over the last 12 months. It's not enough. So that's, you know, if I can well, once a month, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I don't think it's. I don't, think it's, it's, I don't think it's enough. If you want to get to scratch, I don't think it's enough. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. I and and maybe maybe it's something that that I'll have a bit of a chat to to David McCollum about because he was the one who also said that the way he used to approach, you know, leading into retirement, those last two years was that at lunchtime he'd go and go to the driving range and hit balls. Yeah, but I think that's in addition to rather than instead of. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure. I, I don't think he played. He was playing a lot of golf at that stage. Yeah. Uh, again, some, something I might clarify. But yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't think he was playing a lot. Yeah. Okay. It's food so, for thought. Food for thought. Yeah. We yeah. don't have to so, agree on anyway, everything. Look. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I, I certainly think that uh, you know, for me, it's it's prioritizing being able to have some contact with golf and whether that be through practice or play and, and what's going to be, you know, the, the most effective tool that I have in my, in my kit bag to be able to engage with golf and, mm. and have a bit more consistency with the game. Mm. Okay. We shall see how this pans out. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, so then just sort of go, going down the list a little bit, uh, still, you know, working on short game and putting, you know, getting a bit more uh, uh, focused on aim point uh, and understanding aim point a bit, um, or a bit more, I should say. Uh, in regards to the mental game, uh, again, there are probably three books that I'd like to go and revisit and, and study a bit more. Uh, the Dr. Bob Rotella books, Golf is Not a Game Perfect and Make Your Next Shot Your Best Shot. Mm. And also would like to go back to the four foundations of golf as well, just to recap. It's mm. been a little while. It's been a couple of months since I've looked at that. So by the mm. time I get through the, mm. the Dr. Bob Rotella books, it's probably time to go back and re revisit that one as well. Um, and then, yeah, get, getting fitted for a driver fairway and hybrid uh, sometime, hopefully early in the new year. That's that, exciting. That would, I, I think I'm 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 not going to change my irons. I think the AP2s are, are working pretty well, but certainly, yeah, making a, a move to a, a better driver shaft combination is is something that that I could. Oh, I think that would bring a fair bit of improvement to my game. Have you told Santa? No, no, no. I don't think that's a Santa thing. Um, Shame. Yeah, yeah. I hear Santa so, does uh, outstanding club fittings. So there's a reason why I mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm. So yeah, so that's probably the 
the, the the focus for next year and again haven't quite you know haven't you know uh put that yeah it's just something i'm thinking about at the moment it's not something that i've, I've definitely made a decision that that's the way i'm going to go with but i'll put a bit more thought of, into it over christmas and mm. yeah see where the new year heads yeah well there's a lot there's a lot to do in 2024 um we're getting to the end of the year which is exciting yep. We might, we might squeeze one more episode in before Christmas. Yep. And then I yeah, think we can do um, that next week. Yeah, for sure. And then I think we need to um, to take five minutes to think about our lives and and figure out what we're going to do. I know we're hoping, we're hoping very much to uh, physically have a catch up over the Christmas New Year period uh, and potentially have a Hinks v Walker family challenge of some description. Yes. Yes, um, that'll which, be uh, that'll be a fun day, which could be exciting. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those listening, the plan at the moment is uh, Andy Walker and I play tee to green, uh, and young Mister Walker, young Mister Hinks are responsible for putting on the greens, um, mm. and uh, we we'll see how that, that pans out. That will be a very interesting day. Yeah, yeah, um, be even more interesting if we did it the other way around. But I think <laughs> we might be out there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's uh, let yeah. let's let's leave it in the format that we've uh, that we've decided, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, for speed of play, we'd probably set it at a maximum of four parts per green or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um, look, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the episode, Andy Walker. Unless there's any other topics that you wanted to raise this evening. No, that's uh, yeah. That that was that was pretty much it. Excellent, um, which means for everybody uh, still listening, this is our longest episode to date, um, which is exciting. And mm-hmm. um, what that means is you can show your appreciation through leaving a review on your podcasting service of choice. Um, clearly, five stars. I think it would be very difficult to uh, justify any reduction in that in that review. Um, so so is it the, the longer the episode, the more stars that we get? Is, is Oh, we're nearing a six-star episode, I think, if we keep this up. <laughs> Um, you could also click on the auto download button, assuming that you have one. Um, you could go onto the missing links show on Facebook, um, and you could leave a question. You could comment on a post. You could follow the page. You could do all sorts of things. Um, what else could you do, Andy Walker? You could check out the website, um, the missing links golf show dot dot com, where you will find all of our episodes. Uh, there's many, many things you can do. Pick your favourite, do one, do all. Um, we would appreciate it. And on that note, it's good night from me and it's good night from him. Mm. Yes, quote, good evening. To quote the two Ronnies. Um, mm. It's been a lot of fun. We will talk to you all next episode. Until then, uh, best of luck out on the course. See you next week.